tweet at Miriam O'Call. Well, now this morning, sitting opposite me is a woman who first swept us off our feet back in 94 when she appeared in Riverdance, the interval active course for the Eurovision Song Contest here in Dublin. And through the intervening years, have seen her engaged in other forms of dance. Her new production, What We Hold, for the Dublin Theatre Festival sees acclaimed choreographer and dancer Jean Butler return to working with traditional Irish dancers. Jean Butler, good morning to you. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. Listen, before we discuss your show, I have to ask you about the extraordinary claims made in relation to Irish dancing this week, alleged cheating scandals. What do you make of them? And is it something you ever encountered? Well, um, you know, I have seen the headlines like everybody else. I've been deeply immersed in the show at the moment. So the headlines are, are kind of what what I've heard. And I, I and I feel mostly empathy for the children. I feel that the the dancers who have put in years and I know what it's like to put in the work for a competition. So at the moment, my concern is for the children. And I think that all these allegations need to be investigated thoroughly. And if something that if something good comes out of, you know, finding out what's happening and we have a restart, I think that's that's what we need to concentrate on and really look after the children. Is it anything you were ever aware of? Oh, well, listen, I, I left the Irish dancing world in 1994. My last world championships was actually, I think, two weeks before the Eurovision Song Contest. So the world has changed completely. You know, the Irish dancing culture in that world has changed completely. And I couldn't comment on what it's like now because I'm on the outside of it. Fair enough. How did you, you grew up in America, didn't you? I did, in yeah. New York. Tell us just a team, remind people of your own background and, of course, your mom and dad. Well, my mom is the Irish Connection. She was born in County Mayo um, in uh, Ballyhonnis. Beautiful place. And she emigrated to New York when she was 17 years old. Um, She was the second sister to go to New York. And she started us in Irish dancing classes. And it wasn't something that was enormous in her family. She grew up in rural Ireland. I think, um, you know, they did dance class at school. But I think in, in, in America, it was just one of these things that she found was around the corner from our house. And we took to it, myself and my sister, Cara, who's also an incredible dancer. And that's where it all really began. And I think you said before, Jean, that it was when you first went with your mom to the dancing, Irish dancing in America, you realised what it meant to her. It was a connection almost to her roots. Yeah, I mean, we didn't grow up, I, you know, I wouldn't say we, we definitely didn't grow up in an Irish community. We didn't grow up in the Bronx or in Brooklyn. We weren't surrounded by Irish people. Irish dancing was really what kind of connected us to Ireland in a strange way. And I think that um, the first class I remember my mom brought us to, um, she met uh, she met two school friends that she went to school with in Ballyhonnis. Wow. So all of a sudden I just realized, oh my gosh, these are her people. Like this, that was my understanding of where she came from because she met people from the same place that she came from. So when you're when you're a young child, you have this concept of this faraway land. And then all of a sudden there's other people that for, are from that land too. So it, it was really, I just remember that in hindsight being like, okay, mom has found her people. And although you turn out a brilliant dancer, you didn't love it at first when you were about six years old, did you, Irish? No, I had a pretty ropey first start to my um, first ever dancing class. This was before I found my dancing teacher, Donnie Golden. So from my first dancing class, I was put in a line with, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 other eight-year-olds or six to eight-year-olds. And we were told just to hold our hands at our sides in first position and not to move at what seemed like for 40 minutes. 
And I was like, there's no way I'm coming back to do this. Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, but then a couple of years later, my mom did bring me back to the same hall. But my dancing teacher, Donnie Golden, um, who is a very special teacher, um, he was there and we had an immediate connection. And did he spot that you were a super talented dancer? Or, you know, because he's got loads of little girls and boys. I mean, <laughs> did he kind of spot early on? I think on? so. I mean, I, you know, I had two years of ballet at that stage. So I think I had a good grounding in terms of my physicality. But I was also very athletic. Um, I was a very athletic child. So, um, so Donnie, and I think Donnie also spotted that I was quite determined and um, maybe ambitious. And your big break was really early, wasn't it, Jean? I think you were only 17 and you began touring with the Chieftains. How did that come about? Yeah, it's funny to think of that as a big break, but I guess it yeah. was, yeah. Um, it was kind of, it was simple. My my dancing teacher, um, Donnie, was an incredible performer. He was one of the original performers in the United States in terms of Irish dancing. He performed with Mick Maloney, the, the recently late Mick Maloney of the Greenfields of America, who was a very important figure in Irish Irish music and dance in America. And Donnie, so Donnie was kind of a go-to for many, for many people. And Patty Maloney called him up. Michael Flatley had been dancing with the Chieftains for the previous six years. And Patty said, I think we're going to try something new. Do you have a girl? And Donnie said, I have exactly the girl. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's how that story happened. And my debut was in Carnegie Hall on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And how long funny. did you tour with them for? Well, the next day after that day, Patty called the house and said, can you go on the road? Can you pack your bag and go on the road for six weeks? And I said, Mom, Dad, can I go? And they said, of course you can go. Um, so, yeah, kind of incredible, really, at 17. And I toured with them up until Riverdance, basically, until Riverdance happened. And I know you've done a lot since, which <laughs> I'm going to talk about your new show. But when you reflect now on that moment, did your life completely change after that interval act? That began Riverdance. Of course it did. But, you know, at that age, what is your life? You, you know, were 22, it's, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, what is your life at that age? You know, yeah. it's, it's beginning, you know, you're beginning everything at that point. But when you, do you look back fondly on it? I do. You know, it was, it was a complex time. And I think there was a lot of different pressures from different angles. But, you know, where, where it has settled in my memory and what I feel is, is um, what I take with me is just which is also in this new show, is just the love of dance that I was able, you know, I was able to to work and I had theatres to practice in and I used to go in and I, I used to dance from three o'clock until showtime because I just loved to dance. So I really, I think that, you know, it allowed me to become a professional dancer. It allowed me to really, really learn what it was like to kind of use all this stuff that I was able to do. So I do look back at it, you know, incredibly um, fondly for the most part. (laughs) And you probably almost became certainly the female most famous dancer on the planet at that moment. Well, that's come on on the planet. I don't think so. There's a lot of like you were just the image that went around the world because that became such a big show. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, when, when you're in it, I mean, you're not really aware of that because you're working. We were doing eight shows a week. You know, you're not like hanging around trying to be famous. You know, it was just like it was it was work and I'm, and I'm a worker. So I really liked that. After Riverdance, of course, you moved away from Irish dancing toward maybe more contemporary dance. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious decision you wanted to make? It was. It was certainly a conscious decision. Um, after Riverdance, um, myself and the other great dancer, uh, Colin Dunn, did a show called Dancing on Dangerous Ground, which was our version of a commercial Irish dance show. Um, and it didn't land as well as we wanted it to. You know, I think it was very ambitious. And I think we tried to do things that were a little ahead of its time. 
And um, at that point, it, it was it was it was really upsetting. It was like, oh my gosh, this was like this was like the first big failure, and it was pretty public. And um, there was a lot of shame involved in that for some reason. And I just thought, what do I do? Like, I'm I'm not done dancing, but I don't really know what to do, and um, I need to figure this out. And um, Colin actually kind of led the way. He did a master's at the University of Limerick. Um, um, in contemporary dance and I saw what it did for him and I said okay I'm going to try this and when I started the masters with the course director the great Mary Noonan I said I'm not sure like if this is going to be the end of something or the start of something and it was the start of something and I'm still dancing and your new show what we hold um, tell me about it because it now effectively, I suppose, sees Eugene return to working with traditional Irish dancers, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it does. And it's been unbelievably rewarding and heartwarming. And, you know, we've just had a lot of um, incredible fun making making the work. But um, what we hold has really was inspired by work I had done previously. I started a organization, a non-for-profit organization called Our Steps. And the purpose of Our Steps, one of the main things that we're doing is where we started the first ever living archive on Irish dance. And what is a living archive? Um, I'll explain, but I do want to just qualify that there are there has been some archival work done on Irish dance to date. The great, um, sorry, Dr. Catherine Foley did some work in the 80s in Muckrow's house recording the local Kerry dance masters. And then Dr. John Cullinan, there's also, he has an archive, but it's mostly documents um, that that have the minutes of the commission meetings going all the way back and uh, competition results. But what our steps is doing is completely different to those two archives. It's a living archive in the sense that we're capturing the culture, not just the dance. So what we do is we invite older dance practitioners who are in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and we get today's generation of dancers, and we put them in a room together, and we film the entire event. And these older practitioners teach their dances to today's generation of dancers. So there's an incredible exchange happening and we capture it all because it's not it's not about the perfect step. It's about how Irish dancing how Irish dancing people talk to each other and how they communicate and, and watching all of that. So it's really about capturing the culture as well through the dance, I think. And what we hold, you know, I have all this material now and our partners at the Jerome Robbins Dance Division of the New York Public Library, you know, we have all this material and I always, again, part of the living archive aspect of it is that it would be alive and it would be in the world. It wouldn't just be sitting dusty in a library. So what we hold takes some of the material, takes a lot of the, 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 the stories that we've heard through the oral history collection that we have created, and we drop that into what we hold. And it becomes, again, it's about the culture and the history of Irish dancing. And why did you want to, I suppose, return to those Irish roots of yours at this stage? I think, you know, I think the pandemic had a lot to do for many artists. I mean, certainly, you know, there's an enormous amount of reflection that went on over the last couple of years. And um, probably before the pandemic, I was working on a very big project that I was burnt out on. And I, you know, in some ways, this was this was a moment in time where I could really sit and reflect. And I also started dancing outside a lot during the pandemic because all the studios were closed. So I'd be like running around Brooklyn and, you know, dancing outside and just the joy of not being in a studio setting and the joy mm-hmm. of being outside in the elements dancing just kind of unearth something in my physical self and a return to the joy of moving, you know, and I felt like the next 
piece I do has to have that, has to have that return to joy, which Irish dancing has. Like we all have experienced, I imagine, in this country, mm. Irish dancing at a wedding that is joyous, that is, or Irish dancing at a party, Absolutely. which is very different to the public facing of Irish dancing that we know, which is competition or shows, which are very specific presentations. But like, to me, they're, they're there and they're, they're, they're worthy of what they present. But for me, it's about getting into the body and understanding like, this doesn't have to be a particular way. It can, exp- it can be an expression of oneself. And you are both the choreographer and you're performing, aren't you? Is that a difficult thing to do or not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I have an incredible associate director, Laura Murphy, who is me when I need to be in the show. Um, so she, she's my eyes and ears outside of the show. We've had an incredible team of people working on this and um, every single person has been elemental to its success. And I know you used to live in Dublin for a number of years. Where where are you now based? And is it nice to be back in Dublin? It's always nice <laughs> to be back in Dublin and in Ireland. Um, we're in New York. Myself and my husband are in New York. We've been there since, I don't know, maybe, I can't even remember now, maybe 2006. But I'm back here all the time. I'm lucky enough that, you know, my work kind of straddles the ocean and I come back, you know, most productions that I put on here or New York, you know, they have a life in the other country. So I'm very lucky. And do you think you're now forever in New York or you oh, may? Oh, no no no, 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 no. I mean, I think the plan was always to, to come back to Ireland and I think that's going to happen over the next couple of years. Well, look, your show, obviously, it sounds really superb. What we hold is running from the 5th to the 9th of October at City Assembly House. It's sold out, so I'm wanting to go. I'll have to go on a waiting list, which that must be hugely satisfying, is it? It is. You know, it's wonderful to be one in the Dublin Theatre Festival. I think dance in the theatre festival is really important. And then traditional dance in the Dublin Theatre Festival is even more important. And any chance you might extend the run to get a few tickets? Well, someone wants to come up with a few more coppers. Sure, we'll extend the run. (laughs) And final question, which is what I began on. Do you think it's very important, given how much you love Irish dancing and you're here doing a show about it, that there is a solid investigation. Into- oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there has to be. I think, you know, these allegations are really serious and we're, we're talking about children. So it's very important. Yes. Jean Butler, safe journey back to New York. Best of luck. With Thank you. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for coming me. in. Thank we'll you. take a break.